Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for sharing this portion of your day with me. Uh, lots of um, games that you could be watching this weekend. I wonder what's on your what's on your agenda for this first weekend of June. Um, we will be doing many things farm-related where I live. Um, and I wonder what you're going to be doing with your weekend. Lots of things to watch in terms of sports this weekend, from hockey to basketball to baseball to golf and tennis. So in terms of what you're watching this weekend, I suspect that there are many, many of you who would ordinarily be watching the Stanley Cup. But I wonder, I wonder, when the puck drops tomorrow night in Game 1 of hockey's championship tournament, will fans in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Canada consider the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Florida Panthers like legitimate hockey? (laughs) I just wonder. I mean, the hockey might be legit, but like... Do people in the North where, you know, people learn to skate on actual frozen ponds? I mean, do you do you even, like, trust cities that never freeze to know, like, the reality of hockey? I just wonder. I just wonder. I wonder if a city that uh, would never have enough ice outside to skate on, you know, Vegas and <clears throat> and Florida. I mean, like... I, yeah, anyway, well, they're, they're going at it. So that's going on. Um, in other sports news, the Denver Nuggets won game one of the NBA Finals over the Miami Heat. Um, the 2023 NCAA Baseball Tournament starts today. Um, and in news that we talked about yesterday, um, the 95th Scripps National Spelling Bee took place. It, it has concluded. Dev Shaw, who's an eighth grader from Florida, correctly spelled spelled samophile samophile do you know that samophile starts with a p Mm -hmm. it's one of those silent p words it's like the word nat which starts with a g or the word not that starts with a k Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would you have spelled that right uh oh paul perot yes yes, coming or song in (laughs) (laughs) and psychology Psalm and psychology. Yes. Silent P. Mm-hmm. Silent P. Maybe today could be the day of the silent P. Maybe maybe there you go. There you go. Something, uh, make something pithy up today that, uh, that includes the silent P. So yeah, spend, your, spend some time today in the Psalms. Where are you in the word of God? Let's spend some time in the Psalms with the silent P. Gives us a t- an opportunity to. Maybe we would have correctly spelled Samophile if we had thought about the word Psalm and the Silent P. Thank you, Paul, for that. That's so helpful. No problem. Um, what headline today gives you an opportunity to talk about um, Jesus or the things of God, the character of God, the ways of God, some biblical image or a metaphor, a book of the Bible, a person in Scripture? Um, 
I think that all of these games give us an opportunity to talk about the games we play with God. I mean, since the very, well, maybe not since the very beginning, but since very early in the human story, um, we've been playing games with God. One particular game in particular, hide and seek. It started right after the fall. Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden. We've been playing that game with God ever since. Humans have been hiding and God has been seeking them ever since. Jesus literally came to seek and to save the lost. Hide and seek isn't the only game we play with God, but it is certainly the primary game we play with God. We play all kinds of spiritual versions of games. I like to think about what James says in the first chapter, verses 14 and 15, and I like to think of this as like spiritual dominoes. So I want you to Hear these verses and then think about the game. Think about setting dominoes up and then knocking them down and how that how that um, cascading effect happens in terms of temptation um, to sin. So here's what it says in James chapter one, verses 14 and 15. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Can you hear there the dominoes of desire, enticement, luring, temptation, conception, sin, and death? Can you hear that? Can you see that as like dominoes all lined up? I mean, we're knocked to the ground, and so are our relationships. We literally can't stand them up again. We can't straighten them up anymore. We need the redemptive intervention of God. So um, think about games and the games we play as you are watching games or participating in, uh, in games this weekend. Um, think about the, the games that we play with God and then apply the mind of Christ to that game and see if there's some kind of conversation that might emerge as you muse with others about the spiritual realities of the games we play with God. Our friend Adam Holtz is going to join us next. We're going to talk about other things people might be watching this weekend. Um, We're going to talk about what's on the big and the small screen. I'm also going to ask him a similar question to the conversation that we just had with Dan DeWitt. You know, as a dad, as a person engaged in cultural conversations, like, how do we talk about Pride Month? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Adam Holtz is back. You can find him at Focus on the Family's Plugged In at PluggedIn.com. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. All right. So, um, I mean, it doesn't really, you don't even have to turn anything on to be confronted with um, realities related to Pride Month. Lots of media and entertainment attention to this. Um, Yeah. You know, signs in our own neighborhoods. Um, I feel like that it's a conversation we all need to be equipped to have. So I feel like, you know, you, you're an entertainment commentator. um, You're a Christian. You've got kids. You have to navigate social pressures just like the rest of us. So I don't know, enter into a conversation with us about Pride and Pride Month. I would love to enter into that conversation. I feel like it is, it's an incredibly important conversation. My kids are 12, 14, and 16. They go to, I would describe it as a culturally conservative uh, classical school. But, you know, a while back, one of my daughters came home and said, I think half the girls in my class think that they're gay you know, or that they're bi or, you know, they have, they have friends that are prepubescent that, you know, say that they're queer or they're bi. And so 
this is a conversation that culture is having. And I think at the, the first thing I would say is, as parents, we can't brush it under the rug. It may make us uncomfortable. We may not be 100% sure how to enter into it, but we need to because it's happening all around us, even in spaces where you think it shouldn't be happening. We have had kids at our, you know, very evangelical church show up at youth group and, you know, show up one day saying, I don't want you to call me Marcy anymore. I want you to call me Mark, you know, that sort of thing. That's I'm making up those names. But Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think that we have to have a very robust conversation about a theology of sexuality. What is the purpose of sexuality? Who gets to decide? Those are the core questions to help our kids understand God has designed our sexuality with a good and incredible and beautiful intent that reflects um, his nature. We're created in God's image. And when a man and a woman in marriage come together and create a new human being, that creative act uh, is one that reflects God's character and reflects the fact that we're made in God's image. And so then the conversation isn't just God thinks homosexuality is bad or wrong, but we can talk about how homosexual expression is um, is a behavior that veers from God's intended design for our sexuality. And then I think that we need to have a conversation about sexuality and its place in our lives in general. Um, Our culture, I believe, places so much emphasis on this because it's thrown God largely out the window. But we're created for a transcendent experience. And I think if God is off the table, for a lot of people, their sexuality is the place that they're looking for meaning and answers and, you know, something to give them purpose and hope in the world. Um, And so I think that we can say, you know what, this entire conversation about sexuality is happening in part because we've thrown God out the window and because people are desperate to experience something that gives their life meaning. But we can also say that, that our sexuality, even as a very good gift Uh, It's not everything and it's not nothing. As Christians, we actually have a very middle of the road understanding of the purpose and place of our sexuality. And that part of our, our being, as good as it is, was never intended by God, I don't believe, to carry the entire weight of our identity and our personhood, which is what we see happening with the pride movement. Uh, And so you're going to get people who are totally bought into that. But if they're honest, you know, they'll say, you know what, it still is not filling me up inside. And so I think that we can equip our kids to understand those theological realities. And out of that, hopefully, they can relate in grace and truth to their peers. You know, we can very gently in the right way say, you know, I don't think that's the way things are supposed to be. But we're also not just condemning them as, you know, vile unbelievers, but understanding that there's lostness here. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for hope. And they're doing it in a way that ultimately is going to leave them unsatisfied. So that's my my uh, on blast response to your question. There's so much to unpack there. But let's not be afraid to have these conversations with our kids because the culture is having them. And we need to be helping our kids navigate this area, too. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much, Adam, for your willingness to wade in. I think that the weight that we place or the emphasis that we place on sexuality is a um, is a good conversation to have. It, can, it cannot bear the weight 
um, of of glory. Uh, I think that's a that's a really essential part of this. I think that um, the replacement of God with anything else, in this case, sexuality, um, is a good. I mean, that's a good talking point. Like that's a good. Like you know what what are we doing when we elevate anything to this place right. of such prominence or preeminence in our lives? And then, and then I just think this honest conversation about um, where this path leads, um, right. like what, what does this produce in your life? And, um, and it's not even just a matter of, is that what you want? Like that gets right. us back to the conversation about, you know, is that God's best for you? Is that, right. is that the, fl- the flourishing generative person God created you to be? No, that's exactly right. And and just and and also I think at the most basic level letting our kids know that we we want to talk to them about this issue. You know? Who are you, you know, are you attracted to somebody? What do you like about that person? You know, do you ever have thoughts about sexuality that you later feel guilty about? Um and really saying this is not a place that's taboo that you have to experience and navigate, you know, secretly on your own. And I think, unfortunately, um, sometimes as Christians, when we try to emphasize how important it is and, you know, the whole conversation about purity culture in retrospect, the emphasis on purity was absolutely right and good and biblical. I think where it got, potentially off track is it can create legalism that if you have a child that is struggling in this area, they don't feel like there's any ability to talk about that because they feel shame that they haven't lived up to the standard. But we want to create that space to say, man, this is a part of our life as much as as any other part of life. And even though it's uncomfortable and a little bit awkward, please come to us. We want to talk to you. And, And even if you've, and I've told my kids, even if you go down a path where you feel like you've made a mistake in this area, I don't want that for you, but I want you to be able to talk to us. Yeah, we got to be able to positively talk about God's good design, um, not just male and female, but God's good design of marriage and what he intends to produce in and through us um, through that experience and, um, and chastity and singleness and fidelity as faith. So many good conversations to have in relationship to um, to pride. And as Dan DeWitt pointed out in our earlier conversation, there's also an opportunity to talk about humility. So we're going to continue yep. our conversation with Adam Holtz here in just a moment. We're going to pivot and talk about a summer watch list. What are some good movies that you could um, that you could put on your calendar for maybe a family film festival in your own backyard uh, this summer? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
Continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find Adam at PluggedIn.com. Um, all right, Adam, uh, a summer watch list. Let's imagine that yeah. we might uh, put on a family film festival in our backyard and invite our neighbors, um, you know, as an opportunity for fellowship. What um, what might we show? Okay. Let me kind of, kind of divide this into movies for younger kids and then for like mature tweens and teens on up, just for starters. So I think for kids, um, and I don't have dates on all these movies. Most of them are relatively recent the last five or six years or so um the paddington and paddington 2 movies are just lovely movies about paddington the bear really really beautiful stories about this you know this stuffed bear that that has an adventure uh actually he's not i don't think he is stuffed. i think he was actually a real bear in the movies um just delightful and and with all of these let me say as a general rule at Plugged In, we don't say, we endorse these movies, go watch these uncritically. So even with everything I'm going to mention here, I would encourage you to um, to think through these, these movies and go to PluggedIn.com and check them out. Um, so a lovely, lovely movie, maybe for kids that are a little bit older, it's a little bit more serious, is called Duma. Uh, Duma is a movie that was done, I think, in 2004 or 2005 by Glenn Ballard, who did uh, The Black Stallion, and he did a bunch of animal movies in the 70s and 80s. Duma is set in South Africa, and it's about a boy named Zan who adopts, he and his dad find a baby cheetah that has been orphaned, and they raise this cheetah. Um, And it's becoming clear that they're going to have to set the cheetah free. Uh, And about the same time, this is a little bit of a spoiler warning, the dad contracts cancer and dies. And so setting the cheetah free becomes a metaphor for dealing with grief. And Zan and the cheetah unwisely set off into the South African desert on their own, kind of running away from grief. And Zan realizes he has to let Duma go. This it's a stunning beauty. It's a beautiful movie. Um, Mm. And, and it's just, I, it's one of my favorite movies for younger kids of all time. Uh, Miss Potter is the Beatrix Potter story. Of course she did Peter Rabbit and Christopher Robin uh, has Ewan McGregor in it. uh, And it sort of feels like, one of the last Disney movies before everything they did turned woke. Uh, so those are some kids' movies. Um, for teens, um, I'm going to allow maybe a little bit more content. Uh, you could watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which, of course, is the predecessor to the movie that's out this weekend, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is an amazing movie, my favorite movie probably in the last year or so. Uh, some profanity, but some great themes about grief, loss, family, um, and even the tension between predestination and free will. Um, it's got some harsh stuff in it, but the next movie I want to talk about is Risen, which is kind mm. of a, a, a biblical whodunit. It is uh, a story of a Roman centurion played by uh, Joe Fines, who is tasked with figuring out what happened to Jesus' body. And so the gritty stuff is that we see some crucifixion scenes that are really hard. Um, that don't pull any punches, but uh, it's one of my favorite Christian movies. Um, and if you want to have sort of a, a conversation about grief, another one that deals with that subject, 
uh, A Monster Calls, which came out in 2017. Man, what a movie uh, that, you know, is a boy dealing with his mom has cancer and he kind of has this imaginary relationship with a large tree who acts as kind of a mentor and guides him through this process of grief. Um, and then my favorite recent Star Wars movie, Rogue One, is takes place right before the events of Star Wars and explains it's the origin story of the Death Star. Um, I think those are all really fun choices. Some of them have a little bit more violence and maybe a tiny smattering of profanity in a couple of cases, but um, actually not even too much of that. So uh, those would be uh, some things I would throw up there on, uh, on your potential watch list for the summer. That's so fun. That's so great. Thank you so much. It's always, a, it's, it's good to um, not only be reminded of some of these, but to be introduced to some of them as well. I've never even heard of a monster yes. calls. And so I'm going to um, go check that one out. All right, you can uh, you can have a family film night and watch um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse, and then you know those who are age appropriate and want to go watch Spider Man across the Spider Verse um, out now uh, is positively uh, reviewed by our friend Adam. And then let me just go ahead and say, if you go to PluggedIn.com, you're going to see a hard no, hard no on the Boogeyman. <laughs> so there you go. Hard That'll no be our. That hard no on the boogeyman. Adam, as always, thank you so much. We uh, we love getting to spend time with you. Thank you, Carmen. Absolutely. All right, let's take uh, let's take a moment for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. I'm pretty sure this is about the origin of Donut Day. Yeah, today's Donut Day. Let's let's find out more about that. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. I thought John Stone Street was going to talk about the origin of Donut Day, so I apologize. It is Donut Day, um, and it has a Christian origin story. The Salvation Army actually started Donut Day in Chicago in 1938 to commemorate women who were known as the Donut Lassies, who would serve traditional cake donuts— um, during World War One, to men returning from the front lines. So this took place in France. Um, in 1917, um, women were sent from the Salvation Army from here in the United States of America to France, and they established these field bases near the front lines. They um, served thousands of soldiers who needed essential goods, and they would also serve them this sweet treat, this donut, which is... Um, how it became such a beloved, such a beloved treat here in the United States, and um, and also the origin of Donut Day. So, if you swing by a donut shop today and get a free donut, um, maybe you would take the opportunity to ask if they know the origin of um, of Donut Day and why we are acknowledging the sacrifice and service of men and women um, through the ministry of the Salvation Army for so many years and what it means to, um, you know, to actually bring positive refreshment to others, even at the cost of our own sacrifice. So good opportunity here on Donut Day to make a make a Christ connection. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Kim Dolan Leto is probably not a fan of donuts. Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to... It seems like another hard pivot. We're going to talk with Kim. Uh, um, you remember that her book and her ministry is Fit God's Way. And we're going to talk about eating to fuel your temple. Now, that doesn't mean you can't ever have a sweet treat. Um, I'm sure she's uh, she's going to you know let us have a an unfrosted cake donut from time to time. Um, but when you talk about fuel and you think about what you're using to fuel your body, you know, there's like, 
premium fuel and there's, you know, very maybe fuel that's not too good for you. And you know how the engine of your car runs well um, when you fill it up with the right things. And you also know um, that it doesn't run well when you fill it with the wrong things. Well, your body is uh, your body is similar. Um, You also know that if you think about your body as having a fuel gauge, there are times that you fill it to overflowing and there are times that you um, that you have it just running on fumes and how um, it doesn't function well then either like that's the whole hangry idea so we're going to talk about fueling the temple with purpose and with energy Kim Dolan Leto is going to join us next fit God's way is the book and the ministry you're listening to mornings with Carmen Kim Dolan Leto is here again today. We're talking about Fit God's Way. We're going to specifically hone in on eating to fuel your temple. Kim, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning on Donut Day, too. What a great combination. <laughs> and hey, no guilt. There's nothing wrong with having a treat. <laughs> right? And um, and I, I'm definitely advocating for the unglazed cake donut that old-fashioned just the one that they actually served to the fighting men on the front lines uh in world war one because i feel like not only is it like the classic but it's actually the one that's the least bad for you right and do it more in memory and honor of the purpose of it all that is you know if you're gonna partake really be prayerful and thank the people who served our country and gave us our freedom, right? Yeah, I think that's really good. It's kind of interesting that it's as close to Memorial Day as it is. So um, when we talk about eating to fuel our temple, that implies some kind of gauge. Like, so can we talk a little bit about um, a fuel gauge um, and eating with purpose and on purpose and intentionality? Absolutely. I think... So many of us are so busy and we don't prioritize eating. We just, it just happens. You know, we run out the door, we grab something, we are at a a Starbucks or at a coffee shop and we're like, oh, I'll grab, you know, pastry or something. And we don't really think about the fact that what we eat determines how we feel, how our mood our energy level, it's so much more than just food. It is fuel. And none of us feels good when we're running on an empty tank or on garbage. You know, we, we get headaches, we have that sugar crash, the highs and lows. So we want to eat to optimize our health and our mental, our mental health, our physical health and our emotional well-being. So yes, there's definitely a gauge in there. And it reminds me of a story of my little daughter. She was so cute when she was little. She would say, okay, mommy, I'm done eating. I'm about full. And that was Mm -hmm. kind of her gauge. Like we don't want to eat till we're full because our body has never had an opportunity to know that we're satiated. And then you get, you know, if you continue to eat and eat and eat, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I don't feel good. So eating to about full, obviously God made food whenever you have the opportunity is the optimal choice because that is going to make you feel the best. Yeah, I think that um, if we knew how to um, listen to, I mean, I mean, listen to our bodies or actually like feel our feelings. um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can ask 
some people, are you full? And they don't, they like honestly don't seem to know the answer to the question. Um, I mean, if you know there was enough food on that plate to genuinely fill someone up and they don't, they're like disconnected from that feeling center in their body. Is there a way to help us reconnect? I think we need to realize that food is a spiritual battle. I don't Mm. think people understand the fact that when they're eating, sometimes they're trying to eat away whatever's eating them. They're trying to numb, comfort, reward, just not feel anything. You know, so many people are really hurting, Carmen. They it goes way beyond a diet or what you look like. You know, people have lost loved ones. They've been hurt. They've been rejected. And sometimes when you're at home alone and you're eating, that is the happiest some people ever are. And I understand this because I've lived that way. So I think recognizing that the devil wants to steal your health. You know, John 10, 10 says, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and more abundantly. That's Jesus. And taking this battle to him and just saying, Lord, you know, I'm not satisfied when I eat because only God satisfies us. And it's that's why I say eat to fuel your temple with God-made foods, the whole made foods that he created for us, because in doing so, you actually feel satisfied. And when you do eat, when you come before him and you are prayerful and you thank him and you're not just, I mean... Our culture is, we're mindlessly scrolling on our phone, we're watching TV, we come to the end of our meal and we're not even, we don't even recognize that we've eaten, we're not listening to our body's signals, our cues, and I feel like this is very detrimental because, you know, think about the farmer, you know, you reap what you sow, like how the Bible says you reap what you sow, so what are you sowing? And if you're sowing mindless eating and not intentional eating, you're going to reap some health issues that you don't want, you know, obesity, disease, uh, emotional torment. It causes a dis-ease relationship with yourself when you overeat and numb with food. So I think what we need to do, if we, if someone's listening and they have an issue where they're like, I just don't know when to stop. I just, I turn to food. We need to turn to God. We need to run to him and just say, Lord, please repair my relationship with food. I want to eat to fuel my body, not to numb my body, not to numb my emotions and start taking our emotions to to the Lord. He can heal us and he can instruct us and he can walk out this journey with us. And I want to be quick to say that food is, there's such a guilty relationship with food that the world created that does not come from God. I want to remind people, you are not bad when you eat bad and good when you eat good. Food is just food. So repair your relationship with it and take it meal by meal with God and he will show you the way. Mm, that's so helpful. We're um, we're talking with Kim Dolan Leto. Um, you can connect with her at Kim Dolan Leto, D-O-L-A-N-L-E-T-O.com. Um, we're, we're talking about um, a portion of Fit God's Way, which is uh, which is a book, but more than a book. And if you go to the website, you can um, find all kinds of resources related to the conversation that we're having today about fueling your temple, the temple of your body, um, by eating the right things in the right measure 
Um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about intentional eating. When we come back, we're going to um, ask him to unpack the seven P's of intentional eating. Pause, pray, prepare, portion, practice, plan, persist. If you need to repair your relationship with food, I know I do. You're not alone in this. Um, she's going to help us do that. The seven P's of intentional eating up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive? Or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them? when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us. Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. Kim Dolan Leto is here with us. Fit God's Way is the book. Um, Kim, there are seven P's of intentional eating. So as we think about eating to fuel our temple, um, the first part is just absolutely slowing down. So can you walk us through the seven P's of intentional eating? Absolutely. Okay, so the seven P's are the daily structure that are the habit. They help you create the habit of intentional eating and a godly mindset toward food. Because it isn't the food plan or the workout you follow that gets you fit. It's your mindset. And a mindset on Christ is how you will win this battle. I want people to remember that when we stop and slow down, that there's so much in that pause. Just pause for one second before you eat and invite the power, the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to help you, whether it's to gain self-control over food, to have peace with your food, to, you know, come before God in love and make it a time of worship with him. I mean, think about it, Carmen, we spend 10 minutes eating our lunch or whatever. What if we just took one second, closed our eyes, our eyes paused and just said, Lord, come with me to this meal. I invite you to the table, just like Revelation 3.20 tells us. And we invited God to help us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, There's so much about that pause. And I wrote a quote that says, no diet can give you the spirit of self-control. Only God can do that. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're going to beat this. So pause. And before you eat, before you decide to eat, ask yourself, am I really hungry? Think about the times you're standing in the kitchen in the middle of the night. Am I really hungry? Or do I just need to go open my Bible, right? Or am I feeding my emotions? So let's stop impulsive eating. But when we do decide to eat, let's pause and ready our mind with thanksgiving and self-control because that will give you peace about your choices. And then two, we're going to pray. We want to pray and thank God. Food is a gift. We need to be so grateful and not just, you know, watching TV, 
spend those 10 minutes with God, set your fork down, talk to your family. I, I love how Jesus lived. Food was fuel and fellowship. So much around food and fellowship. So make it a, you know, something that you do with your family. Also pray to surrender your appetite to him. I have an acronym called SAFE, Surrender Appetite Faithfully Every Day. And that's based on Revelation 3.20. And I've brought that up a couple times. So just in case you don't know, the scripture says, it's Jesus talking and it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone answers, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Just learn that scripture, write it down, put it in your kitchen or wherever you eat. And just think about that. Jesus wants to eat with you. He wants to do life with you. Isn't that huge? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Three is prepare. So whenever we can, we should prepare food ahead of time. If you don't want to batch meals, if you don't want to do any of that stuff, it could be like, you know, any, any type of, honestly, for me, like when I make my breakfast, I'll make it for a couple days, like overnight oats, you know? So just any time that you can shave off, like when you're bat, like when you're, say you're cooking one meal, could you also cook another one at the same time? Any way that you can get prepared ahead of time is going to help you if you have healthy options in your refrigerator. The next is to portion our food. I believe for one week, we should all challenge ourselves to measure everything and know this is not a diet, but we have lost sight of what proper food portions are. And in doing this, you're going to be able, I have a, in my Fit God's Way book, an, um, it's a hand chart. So if you just began learning, okay, wow, I had no idea I was eating that much salad dressing or that many nuts or <laughs> I, you know, I need to eat more of this. It gives you an idea of what you're eating too much of and not enough of. And then you switch to like eyeballing it with the hand chart because I don't want this to become a diet. I want it to be about education and intentionality around eating and the power of God. But we cannot know what we don't know. And like the Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. We need to understand what we're eating because that is what's causing us to be unhealthy. And then uh, five is to practice. We want to practice being mindful of eating. Turn off the TV and just eat with God. Come on, eat with your family. Like take the time to enjoy food and be grateful. Listen to your body's natural cues. And I, I have a funny acronym. Uh, I always say this. If you're going to eat something you know, plan a date night, make cookies with your kids, whatever, but don't do too bad, like unhealthy meals back to back. Cause I feel like that just kind of swings the door wide open. So I always say, get back on track. No back to back crap. And crap is cook like cooking oils, hydrogenated, you know, that's the R refined sugars, artificial sweeteners and colors and processed foods. So if you think about crap like that, I think it really helps you see like, okay, I need to be eating God-made foods, but there's nothing wrong with having a date night with your husband or, you know, any treats like that with your kids or whatever. So enjoy your life. God made food for us to enjoy. Like donut day today. Have a donut. Guilt-free. You don't need to eat a dozen, right? <clears throat> and then six is to plan ahead. Make healthy meals as often as you can, but always have like I think it's so important to always have that healthy go-to snack, Carmen, like in your purse, what do you have? I always have raw nuts. So if mm -hmm. I'm in a situation where something's running late or I'll cut up an apple or even an orange or a banana, like have portable things. Like it's so easy to just have a healthy snack instead of not eating and then make your running late driving home. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. The kids are hungry. I'm just going to make a pizza like, or I'm going to pick up a pizza. Like it's better for us to always have a healthy snack on hand. Just plan ahead. Know 
know when you get hungry, like if at four o'clock every day you crave a candy bar, eat, plan to eat something at 3.30 that's healthy so you can preemptively strike that. You're going to feel better. You're not going to have the energy highs and lows. God made food is always going to be a better choice. Okay. And then I say the last one is persist. Friends, do not give up after a bad meal or a bad day and recognize this is not a perfect journey. We're not perfect. There's such a lie in fitness in the world that says you can be perfect. And once you realize that this, that no one can, you're going to get free. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He just wants you to be faithful. So remember that you have power over food. Food does not have power over you and that you're always only one good God made food meal away from being on track. That always helps me like, okay, I yeah. okay, well then I'm going to, so I feel like those seven P's are so instrumental because they really help you steer away from, okay, like I talk a lot about all the diet splits in here, the macro splits, the, you know, whole food, paleo, <laughs> because I feel like all they really are is some play on calorie reduction. They are. That's the truth. And God just wants us to repair our relationship with food. He wants us to eat from a grateful heart, not a gluttonous one and not a guilty one either. Yeah, I think that the uh, the portion uh, of this chapter on taking down the spirit of gluttony is so helpful. I think that the cultivating a grateful spirit um, Mm -hmm. and acknowledging, I mean, I think that the huge shift, the mind shift in all of this is that my battle with food is a spiritual battle. And if Uh I, if I can think that way about it, I am, I am much more um, likely to plan ahead a preemptive strike against the enemy who I know shows mm-hmm. up at four in the afternoon with the temptation <clears throat> of, right? Like, I, if I recognize that that's the enemy, if I recognize it's a spiritual battle, if I use mm-hmm. that language in my own head, if I plan in advance to subvert the enemy's plans, if I know that's the way the enemy's prowling around in my life, um, that's different than... I'm going to plan to substitute a salad for a candy bar. Like, that's just a only different way of thinking. And so well, I think yeah, that the, the, mind, the mind shift is really is super essential. Um, we're going to continue this conversation with you in the future. Um, but thank you again so very much. Um, Kim Dolan Leto, you can connect with her online, KimDolanLeto.com. The book is Fit God's Way, Your Bible-Based Guide to Food, Fitness, and Wholeness. Um, Kim, thank you again. Thank you so much. And I'm praying for your listeners. I'm available. Reach out to me if you need help and download that free Fit God's Way guide. It will help you. It will bless you. And so much love to you. Amen. Amen. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We'll be right back. All right. um, If you didn't um, read the Denison Forum's post yesterday um, on Fidelity Month. I abs- I commend that to you. And you can actually find it and connect with the resources related to it at fidelitymonth.com. This is an effort by Princeton professor Robert George to respond to Pride Month by advocating for what he calls Fidelity Month. And so you can check it out, fidelitymonth.com. Um Yeah, what would it look like for us to be proclaiming biblical truth in a loving, gracious, winsome way in the midst of a culture that, um, you know, I don't know, is actually like 
promoting pride uh, instead of humility and promoting promiscuity instead of fidelity. And what does fidelity really mean? And fidelity is simply another word for faith. And so what does it look like for us to promote a life of faith and faithfulness and goodness and um, a life lived to the glory of God and in humility before him? Fidelity is the kind of faith that James talks about in James chapter 2. Um, and it's about a faith that's lived out not only before the Lord, but in the context of the realities of life. So let me encourage you during um, this day and this weekend and this month to live in fidelity to God and to his word and to walk by faith. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.